Welcome to episode 390 with my guest, Brian Husky. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour, a place for honesty about all the battles in our heads from... <laughs> what voice is this guy? All the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. That is hurting my voice. Uh, the show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. I'm not a therapist. It's not a doctor's office. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for the show is mentalpod.com, and mentalpod is also how you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I am embarking on a trip to Ireland and Croatia in a couple of days to record uh, non-Americans. Really looking forward to it. Um, still could use some uh, financial support if uh, you feel so inclined, if not totally understand, we can still be friends. Uh, the link to, to pretty much any of the stuff that I mention on uh, the podcast will be under the show notes for this episode. But my point being, um, because I will be either in preparation to go on the road or on the road, there will still be episodes, but they will pretty much just be the uh, the interviews. I may do a survey or two here or there, but I don't want to be all stressed out about uh, about that. I want to also give some love to our uh, other sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Uh, I've told you all about how I love my therapist, Donna. I've been going for over a year uh, doing online videos with uh, with her one uh, one day a week and. I just feel like we've made so much progress. I get great feedback from those of you that have tried it. And if you want to try it, go to betterhelp.com slash mental. Make sure you include the slash mental part because then they know you were referred by this podcast and that helps me financially. So go to betterhelp.com slash mental, complete a questionnaire, and then they'll match you up with a betterhelp.com counselor and you can experience a free week of counseling to see if it is right for you and you need to be over 18. And if you're not comfortable with video, you can do audio, text, phone, uh, chat. And then this is where I normally insert some tired joke about um, Pony Express or Morse code. Anyway, check it out. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of BetterHelp. This is a shame and secret survey, and this was filled out by a woman who calls herself Lolita. Oh, I read her book. This, uh, she is, uh, in her twenties, identifies as bisexual, was raised in a totally chaotic environment, was the victim of sexual abuse and never reported it, has been emotionally abused, any positive experiences with the people who abused you? I don't have too many positive feelings towards my dad, if any. Just a titanic-sized boatload of pain, fear, and rejection when I think of him. Darkest thoughts. Almost daily, I think about my coworker raping me. Though he's much older than me, he doesn't nurture me at all. He can actually be quite rude and belittling. When we walk together through the courtyard of our work... I give up all power and let him lead the way through paths and doors. He always goes first, not very gentlemanly, but his confident indifference feels familiar and comfortable. I daydream he becomes obsessed with owning my body and takes me into the basement of our work building where we have a hidden jail cell from the 1920s. And in parentheses, we actually have this. It's very cool. 
and he keeps me there for a while, coming to visit every so often while the whole world thinks I'm dead. Darkest secrets. I welcome abuse because it makes me feel loved to be someone's focus, even though I have a pure and endlessly devoted boyfriend of six and a half years. Uh, sexual fantasy is most powerful to you. Definitely rape, dom slash sub. I'm not ashamed of it. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone uh, that you haven't been able to and why? To my dad, uh, gang approval, young women, and money will never want your affection the way I do, and you will die without warm hands holding yours because you let mine slip away even as I begged you to hold on. Fuck, who am I kidding? All you'd have to do is call, and I'd drive miles just to lay my head on your chest. There's a part of me inside that I don't want anyone to know about because it's weird and gross and lame and people will hate me. It was so hard to be on the planet. Just doom, people-pleasing, dread, silent, invisible, just wailing, stuck in the grip of the obsession, derealization, depersonalization, the suicidal ideation. I was so embarrassed and so full of shame. If I don't get help and get what I need to get, you know, I did some horrible, horrible things. Then I'm not going to be here much longer. God, I wish I could go back and undo them, but I can't. So snipers would shoot in our sides. My father was a notorious pimp in Boston. I can't do this anymore. It was kind of like Scottface. You can change somebody's life just by listening. Through vulnerability, uh, comes healing. It felt like I'd been holding a sword and shield, and I dropped them. And to this day, I have never had a better night's sleep. I started crying in a job interview saying, <laughs> and I was like, LA is hard, man. LA is so hard. <laughs> and I, I didn't get that job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Brian Husky, who a uh, fellow performer. We actually shared the stage in San Francisco one night yeah. doing some political satire with yeah. James Adomian. And who else was... I think Matt Besser. Yeah, was, Matt was Besser. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then... And I had... I, I was. We were just speaking of this. I had pretty much no bit i was just like i'm a i don't remember what my bit was but i was like i don't have no bit everyone else here knows what they're doing and meeting you i was like he's got this established character so clearly he's like invested in for years and stuff and i was just hearing like how i was shitting my pants and you're like oh yeah internally i was probably shitting my pants too. <laughs> yes. yes less than no matter what yeah yeah, yeah. um that's the that's the fire that fuels us though right it is. It is. It is. Spite and insecurity. <laughs> Boy, what the world has created out of out of the I'll show you dad. Yeah. And okay. I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm gonna get up here and run for myself in front of you. Yes. What's this? Oops, I tripped. Oh God. <laughs> uh so we were talking before we started recording and uh some of the broad strokes of issues that you uh struggle with is um are codependency and kind of being uh, a bit of a love avoidant in in relationships yeah and this is all this is all pretty recent discovery of myself i mean i knew like, earlier this morning yeah earlier this morning, on your just, way over just walking in <laughs> just being in this in this environment i was like oh my god it's all hitting me just now uh i guess it started i divorced six years ago and Oh my God, six years ago. And, and yeah, after, during that time I was like, what, what, you know, trying to figure out like what caused it, 
like why why did it all just crumble and what the person i was with my my wife and then what who i was at the end was very different and having someone that i love say that to me and feeling the same way about her. I was like, well, you're different too. What happened? Mm. And so our contract was broken. You know, the contract of like, we have mutual damage. So the contract is I save you, you save me. And if that doesn't happen, <laughs> what, what do I do? What do we do? And, uh, yeah. So it's been, I, uh, and I credit her. She started to do some, um, uh, what was the verbiage we came up with the agreement of? Uh, uh, a support group. Support group, yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> because one of the things is anonymity and not sort of revealing. Yeah. Um, to protect the the support group yeah, from exactly. people yeah. p- appointing themselves as spokespeople. Right, right. And so she, she started to do some work with that. Mm-hmm. And I just saw this this change that that slowly she was returning to the person that I knew before. I was like, what's going on with you? And she said, well, I'm sorry doing, you know, these support groups. And I, at first I was like, okay, good for you. Great. I'm going to still. And was this after you had divorced? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe a year and a half, two years. So I sort of, you know, when we split up, I had to, uh, you know, getting divorced is great. (laughs) (laughs) It can be great. Did you do a parade for yours? Um, you know what? We just had a bonfire. Oh, uh, you yeah. went kind of rural and yeah, yeah. understated. Yeah, we went and we've, uh, I, I got a bunch of, uh, you know, random sort of like drifters that I met and I was like, Hey, come burn some, express what the, the internal rage you're feeling with me. And so mm-hmm. we ransacked some old buildings and just sort of burned them to the ground and stuff. So that's so beautiful. It was cool. It was very purging. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course they demanded that you buy them, uh, old English 800. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they rolled me hard. I was I was found in a ditch later, and uh, but we're still email buddies, so that's great. They have email. They all have. One, they so... all share one email. Oh, they do. Yeah. What is their email address? Uh, uh, Desperation Club <laughs> at AOL dot com. Of course, of course. Of course AOL. They're older drifters. They switched over from Net Zero, which I was like, guys, you're really you're catching up, which is they cool. Are. They are. Uh, yeah. So it's like. So, uh, I started to do, I, you know, okay. So got divorced and in getting divorced, you like, or for me, it was like just getting stripped away identity, just gets stripped away and you're left naked, naked with this person that you kind of lost contact with a long time ago. For me, we were together six years and then married for six years and, uh, and just sort of. I, do, I dove into that in a really good way in that I sort of got to rediscover that women found me attractive, you know, or mm-hmm. this one woman did. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And I kind of reconnected with sex and stuff, you know? And so I was having a really good time. And then I just hit this wall, which, which I discovered was my sort of codependent self coming out where I, despite being with this person who did love me, I was unable to, feel it and i so i was like really hollow in her presence as a really lonely feeling like more lonely than when i was away you know and and, and you're talking about with your ex-wife this is no this was with the woman i dated okay after um, the yeah, divorce after. okay um and had you felt 
those positive feelings with your ex-wife in the beginning of your relationship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then did they turn to the same feelings you felt with this person you were dating? Where The, the positive feelings? No, the negative feelings. Had they, those come up in your marriage? Um. Wait, I lost track. So uh, the negative feelings I was in, I had my marriage, did they start to pop up in the new relationship? Right. Um, I'm, I'm looking not the for- same, not in, okay. not in exactly the same way. Like with my, with my ex, I started to, I was experiencing, you know, a lot of uh, victimization, uh, blame. Um, Which is just classic codependence. Yeah, secret yeah. shame. Um, resentment, resentment, passive aggression, passive aggression, anger, um, obsession about what it is that they're doing wrong. Yeah. Or no. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, and in kind, it was, it was a total triggering experience. Like my, it was almost like, you know, the more, the more sort of passive aggressive I were, was the more, it would create, she would have behavior that would sort of inflame it, inflame it, you know? And, and, and just like, there's this thing where she would just not close doors of any kind. And it drove me so crazy. And it got to the point where you come into the kitchen and it looked like a poltergeist had been there. Cause all the cabinet doors and the refrigerator would be open yeah. and then, or she'd get out of a car and just start walking away. And like the car doors open, what are you doing? And she wouldn't realize it. And so it was this, this crazy kind of, thing that you that that you do to each other was happening um and so but one of the things i was experiencing with uh the woman i did afterwards was this thing of someone saying you know i i have feelings for you i really love you and just just die just going down in myself just retreating down in myself because it was easier and more familiar probably for me to sort of like, well, I'm just going to be alone down here and kind of look up at you from the bottom of this well than it is to be at the top of the well with you. And right. You know, and are the feelings or thoughts in that moment, she must have low standards or she's going to see the real piece of shit that I am eventually and leave me or something else? Something else. She said to me, she's like, I feel like you're always searching for damage in me. So it's almost like I was constantly scanning for, um, for the inevitable downfall. Because I think one of the things that, that I was having that was my issue in our, uh, my marriage was, um, my ex grew up with a lot of, you know, uh, dysfunction in her house and she's like, I love her still. Like we, she's one of my favorite people and she has consistently been a person who has never given up and has always worked really hard to better her circumstance. Um, and so, uh, she, she dealt with a lot of stuff growing up and I was very resentful of having any reminder of a negative childhood. Like I was like, I'm done with that. I put that, I thought about it. I did some therapy on it put it in this box. It's gone. And so I didn't want to be burdened with her, with her pain. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in future relationship mind, I was like, so any new girlfriend I have has to be, 
perfect. <laughs> How could that go wrong? Yeah, there's no way. I mean, that's you yes. just order online and you get a you choose the one you want. Yes, and uh, and you know, and honestly, this girl was. This is the other thing that's crazy. Um, this woman was genuinely happy. A person who was genuinely loved herself, loved her life, lived it great, and that terrified me. Yeah, I say fuck her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't need your sunshine bullshit. <laughs> I look at people like that like they're Martians. Yeah. Like how do you how do you do how do you sing and dance freely, unselfconsciously? Yeah. Uh it it how do you laugh at everything? Totally. Yeah, it 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 blew my mind and, and it's that and it made me realize like, oh, I've had this attitude for years where you know, I, I would just see happy people as ignorant and stupid and, and, you know, ign- ign- you know, ignorance is bliss. It's a positive thing, but I'd be like, ignorance is bullshit. <laughs> so I just, it, it's interesting. And, and the reality is they are aware of yeah. the sadness and the pain in the world, but they don't obsess on it. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's, so that's where I started to realize like, oh, I grew up in an environment where, you know, we didn't, we didn't sort of talk about what was going on. And so everyone was left to themselves to kind of just like, what is going on? What's going on? This is crazy. Mm -hmm. I can't talk to you about it. So I'm left with myself sort of cycling it in my brain and replaying it. And the difference between like my, I have an older sister. She did the, went the other route where she just kind of blacked it out and, and, uh, my, I grew up when my mom remarried, uh, I grew up with the, the father that she married. Um, I didn't meet my real father until I was like 15 or 16. And so he, he was a drinker and he had some rage issues. And then when later on we found out he had a problem with paranoia. So the that, biological father, the, the stepfather, stepfather, but he adopted us. Gotcha. And so I pretty much grew up with him. Um, and, and was he, uh, alcoholic out of the gate as far, as far as you can remember as far back as you can remember yeah i don't I, it's interesting in that you know i mean one of the things i'm discovering with you know growing up with like dysfunction stuff is is the lack of memory lack mm-hmm. of like clear memory you just have these kind of vague like i think this happened yeah. You know, you're kind of left with a vibe <laughs> yes. or a, a, a hazy flashback memory in some montage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I do remember when we were lived in an apartment with them when they first got married. And then when we moved to this uh, house that we were renting, I was suddenly aware of uh, underneath the kitchen sink was where the liquor was kept. And then that started to become sort of like a presence. So I don't know if he was kind of like maintaining it and not, it wasn't sort of incorporated into our daily life or something. Um, but a, probably about a year into it, it started to become sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And his, his pattern was to, and I think it was informed by probably his paranoia. He would interpret something in a negative way, he would sort of get quiet and shut down and then recede, start to drink, build up this, you know, the cauldron would start to bubble. And then 
he would act out against my mom. And sometimes we got in the way of that. Um, mm. So it w- would things get physical? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine what that would be like as a kid. It's so, you know, it's amazing. I, I have, I have to kind of like now when people talk about the resili- resiliency of kids, it's totally true, but I find myself and, and there's so much in having a, a, a a child that I'm facing. I think that's one of the things I, I feel like I focus on a lot in uh, um, the support group stuff is like not trying to get in there and save the kid that I was through my daughter yes. and, and not trying to interpret. I mean, I think she has some, some uh, touches of codependency. I'm mm-hmm. there's, you know, and that bums me out. I'm like, cause they say like, Oh yeah, it, she probably does. She will. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it's sort of like, I don't, when people say the resiliency of, of kids and stuff, I, 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 I have that kind of like, I want to rescue, you know, yeah. I want to rescue me. I want to rescue her. And, it's like one of the best ways to fuck your kid up is to try to shelter them from ever feeling pain or making mistakes. Yeah. 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 It's nuts. And that, you know, and, and it kind of goes back to that thing of like, People who are who don't have this bonus layer of, <laughs> of activity or, or habits, um, they are they can kind of sit in the acceptance and the pain of like seeing your kid fuck up a little mm-hmm. bit more easily than 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 I can personally. And fr- from what I understand, um, in talking to therapists and people who have good relationships with pretty healthy kids is uh, how they show up when the kid is hurting Mm -hmm. by not trying to ram a lesson down their throat or take over the whole thing, but to sit and listen, let them know you love them, let them know that pain is something everybody experiences and it's not going to last forever. And I'm always here no matter what you want to talk about. Right. You know, I love you unconditionally. Yeah. It's interesting how I remember I used to be very frustrated with my mother when I would be sort of talking about something, you know, it's difficult. And she would just, she'd be like, I'm so sorry that that sounds really hard. And I would be very frustrated. I was like, that's it. That's all you're going to give me. It's just sort of, you would think that. Yeah. And, and that's, and I experienced that a little bit with, with my daughter, um, in that, in that, and you know, as I say that, maybe that's like, but I'm not getting a response from her that I need to take care of myself. You know, you're not giving me the thing that assures me that I'm doing a good dad job, which is really, she just might not have the, the immediate sort of like wiring to be like, thanks. That means a lot. But you know, this is funny. She, we were watching a TV show one time where they had a, that's sitting on the bed, sort of like, Hey buddy, what's going on conversation. And she's like, it's never like that. And I'm like, no, it's not right. Like you, if I say something comforting to you, you just kind of like nod. And then, but what do you think about that? She's like, it works sometimes. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great that she was sort of like, you know, she pointed that out and we had this, this other thing. So that's awesome. Yeah. But man, it is a, 
it is having a kid is uh it is um for me the 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 biggest feedback I can get on a daily basis of how I'm doing and I and one and this is the other thing that has been one of the greatest blessings of of uh, working in these support groups is that I've seen our relationship change because she went I think she went through a little period of anger about the divorce mm-hmm. and and I was very insecure that there was a little bit more that she was closer to her mom than mm-hmm. me and I had to go away for work for long periods and so there's a lot of that stuff in play and. Just that idea they talk about, you know, in, in dealing with control issues of just detachment and just detaching with love, just like, I love you. I'm going to back off and let you be what you're going to be was really hard, you know, but as I did it, I started to sort of see that if she's having a hard time doing cello, I don't need to sit down and say like, well, here's what you should be doing and how you should be feeling about doing cello and why we need to do this again, you know, and just be like, okay. Well, trust that they will come to their own conclusions when they need to. They yeah. will. Yeah. yeah. That has to be so hard. That has to be so hard. It's just n- knowing when to. Yeah. You know, yeah. Back off. Back off and when to get in there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's tough because, I mean, I think it's tough because there, it's like this razor thin line sometimes between like, well, what is like a lot of parenting is I got, I have to kind of herd you over this way. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta, I gotta do it, you know? And then how much of it is like, and I'm going to do it with a whip, <laughs> right? <laughs> a whip of my sort of a long winded, like, uh, you know, Mon- monologue about how important it is and the long-term effects and you know you should be this now it's just really yeah, just do it do you when you do that monologue do you do it behind a podium with notes i um i i somehow grow 10 feet taller than i normally do what? so I, yeah i become sort of like this omnipotent giant um in a in a tunic you know really so maybe kind of a greek god maybe what what Greek god do you think you're closest to when you um, grow into that person? When I grow into that, yeah. um, uh, god of self doubt, but knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> god of god of false authority. <laughs> uh. So did you cover what you wanted to to cover talking about the the experience dating with this person and retreating well, down I, into yourself once they were present and said they loved you? I well I will say like it is there's been some some subsequent you know relationships and um my most recent one I just I hit this pattern where that became very apparent and would you call it love avoidant i think so i mean i i don't yeah maybe i don't yeah. uh, it's hard to you know like even sort of hearing love is like well i don't I immediately it's like well i don't think i loved her right I just said, or intimacy intimacy avoidant, avoidant. Yeah. yeah which you know i think we were talking about this earlier it's just the it's consistently amazing to me how my brain and a lot of people, I think, who you know, 
we're wired this way. We'll go for like, you think you want this, but you're going to go for the, the shitty version. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think you want this happiness, but you are more attracted to the confusion and chaos and doubt and, um, you know, the uncertainty that you grew up with. Do you, do you think it's because that's a familiar script and that is more that's home that's, comfortable than yeah. the unknown of if things are great, I'm going to fall from that and it's going to be more painful than and that's an interesting thing. Cause I don't really, I never think in terms of like the downfall of it. Well, you're not thinking hard enough. I'm not, I'm not pushing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, that means I'm just sort of living one day at a time, man. So I'm nailing oh. it. one day at a time until three days and then I'm done. <laughs> but it's like that, that it's, it's almost like I don't have yet. And I say that knowing and, and really believing that I'm, I'm, I'm healing and growing, which mm-hmm. is great. Like I am. You know, I can even say like I used to. Ha- I hated those kind of sentences. I would just like mock. Well, healing and growing was the name of your first folk group. Healing, right. and, yeah, healing and growing was. Uh, it was me and some of those drifters. You know yeah. that I was talking about. Um, yeah, we would we would just uh, just sing about. Uh, I can't even think of something funny to say right now. <laughs> So, so in the zone of actually trying to no, stay sincere, man, stay with it. But yeah, I mean, that's another thing. Like, just, I mean, one of the things I discovered is like the, the, um, the defense system of comedy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being a performer and stuff. Uh, I, I never, I don't want to, I, I will admit right, right now in my life, I am, I am, I feel super boring and I, and I have a really hard time doing bits. Like I just yeah. always want, I'm in such a sincere place. <laughs> I, I, when I'm a podcast guest, yeah, I walk away from it going, Oh my God, I was so incredibly boring mm-hmm. and sincere and took myself so seriously. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm, I'm, you know, I, people are do a bit and I'm just like, I have that kind of old man thing. Like, Oh, Oh yes. Humor. Uh, good. <laughs> I recall that. Yes, I. Before I, my recovery. I acknowledge that is a thing. Uh, how much of, what, what is the name of the uh, the show? Mr. Neighbor's House? Is that the name of the adults? Yeah, that's uh, the first. Adults? Yeah, the Adult Swim special. And yeah. then the second one's Mr. Neighbor's House 2. You do such a fucking good job of creating that um, that person who is just kind and... And has it the Mister Rogers uh, yeah. kind of template yeah. for it, but then you see that there's all this shit has been pushed down yeah, by this person and compartmentalizing right. it. Uh, did that idea kind of come from your personal experience, or was it subconscious? It's a. Uh, I mean, one thing that's taken like when I was, you know, I, I learned to performance and stuff through improv and doing that you can just become whoever you want and stuff and at a certain point when i realized like oh i want to do this as my job you come to terms with the idea of like so you sort of have to know what your type is and how people perceive you right and what you're kind of giving off and stuff and i was like 
you know, and that's another kind of codependency thing. It's like, I don't know who I am. I don't know how people, I know how I see myself, but I can't tell you how I see myself. But I was always really funny and good at being explosively rage filled and like the tightly wound kind of like ticking time, Bob man. prim and proper prim and proper does sort of, uh, uh, low stat resentful of his low status, but sees himself as sort of high status, you know, yeah. like middle management guys, right. that kind of thing. And I, I still love that. I think it frustration is hilarious. You to me. play it very, very well. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think that just knowing that, that I'm, I, I'm, I have fun doing it and then funny doing it. Uh, that informed it, but it, a lot of it was just, we, 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 we wanted to counterbalance, you know, it is that thing of like, you have this innate sweetness and this kind of gentle uh, approach, very kind of fatherly, very fatherly yes. and, and how quickly that can change. Um, which I, and I, you know, I, I thought you would enjoy it, but a lot of people are like, Whoa, that's, Oh no, I no, loved no, no. it. I yeah. loved how dark yeah, it, gets, it gets. The second one gets super oh, yeah? dark. Yeah. Is the second one out? It comes out June twenty fourth at midnight on uh, Adult Swim. Um, what, and what's it called? It's called Mister Neighbor's House Two. And How did you come up with that name? Uh, the second one. Yeah. Um, we we didn't know the French word for two, so we just went with the American one. Oh, that makes total sense. And then someone told it to us, and we were like, "Well, that sounds like poo," and so that would be negative. That'd be like, we don't want to do yeah. that. So, you know. We were gonna. We were thinking about calling Mister Neighbor's House Mister Neighbor's House. That no, that it that's a lot long. of. It would not fit in. You know. You yeah, know. I would never text somebody to watch that because it's also a very difficult title to to type and especially to text. Yeah, it's very frustrating. So most people just give up, <laughs> give up on it quickly. <laughs> Meaning me. So I assume that 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 one is. Uh, goes to dark places like the first one. Yeah, it goes to, you know, when we did it, we originally did it as a pilot and then we didn't, they didn't, they said, you can do it as a special. We're not going to do it as a series that crushed me. Um, so once I recovered and I was like, Oh great. I get to do a TV special. And it's <laughs> like, I was like, Oh now. And that's another thing I will say about doing, uh, you know, working with the, why am I support groups? groups? I keep wanting yes. to say another phrase. Um, uh, is having gratitude and actually, and actually sort of being able to receive compliments, re receive, um, just experience the, the positive aspects of whatever's happening. You know? Talk about how you got to that place. If you can, if there were any things you can identify that were seminal in learning about yourself or how any tools or, uh, it was, I think one of the, the, it was, it was realizing that a lot of people probably want what I have. And I'm not saying that as sort of like, cause I'm the shit or whatever, but it's like, just in terms of what I, you know, in, in, in choosing to do this as a career and stuff, you know, I was always like, I like that guy's career. I like that guy's work. I, I would love to be on that show. And then as I started to get to do things like that before, I'd be like, I'm doing that, but 
I'm not doing this or mm. I'm doing that, but I'm not getting a full season arc or whatever, you know, yeah. which you will always find something. Yeah. When I was doing dinner in a movie, the thing that I did was, well, in TV guide, they list the movie and they don't list us. And we're basic cable. We're not network TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Always, always conditional, always some little butt thing. And, uh, and you know, but things are, I was going to make a bad joke, but I, let me just go back to the grandpa thing. It's like humor. Yes. <laughs> so many colors of humor. Um, but I mean, and, and, the, and the crazy thing is like improv is my, is, is my thing. Like that's the thing that genuinely saved me um, because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was a photographer before, but I wasn't happy and I always knew I wanted to do comedy. And there are so many tools and philosophies in improv that, that are just about acceptance and being present, being present and acknowledging the other person and, and giving up your ego and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I just couldn't apply it in life, you know? And so I don't know, to answer your question, I don't remember if there was sort of like a moment. I do remember there was a moment where my ex, I was talking about this. Someone said, it's so great. You're on this show. And I was like, yeah, but I wanted to be a series regular and they give us everything. And she's like, just take the compliment. And like from across the room, she yelled it yes. at me. And I was like, Oh, I am, I'm doing this to such a degree that is making her <laughs> <laughs> verbally sort of just like blurt out something. Um, so I, it just sort of, I don't know. It's funny. You just, you know, they talk about, um, layers of an onion being peeled away, you know, mm-hmm. layers of yourself being peeled away. I think that's the thing where, where the things that used to serve you, these protective tendencies or habits, um, you realize like, Oh, this, th- the layers are kind of moldy and stinky and, and it's not working for me anymore. Or there me. are better tools to survive than, yeah. than, than these. Was it helpful or is it helpful in your support group when you find what your part is in a resentment towards somebody Mm -hmm. and you find out what your fears are underneath that? Does that help you get to a place of gratitude or not feeling resentful at other people? Yeah, I think so. That you basically, you verbalized what I, you know wasn't able to sort of because that's what I experienced is I was able to have more compassion because I saw how flawed I was. And the struggle is to not focus on, to not obsess about how flawed I am, but to recognize it when it comes up and note to self and then move on with my yeah. life and not go, I'm a piece of shit. How many people did I, you know, right. I do think like, you know, they talk about your higher power and stuff. I, Mine was fear. Like that was my kind of go-to because in, in investing in, in, in the fear I felt internally that sort of defined the outside world of like, there are so many things that are going to make me fearful. I need to always be vigilant and be keeping them away. And if I can do everything to sort of head them off of the pass and, and have this omnipotent understanding that this will lead to this will lead to this. So I know the outcome. So I always out, you know, I always outsmart that. I just was, you're just basically like, it's like you're getting ready for the apocalypse and you're loading up everything in your fucking house when you just yes. need to maybe grab your computer and some duct tape and just get out the door. <laughs> <laughs> 
Such a great analogy. <laughs> Such a great analogy. Uh, finding the difference between self-reflection and self-obsession mm-hmm. uh, has, has been a huge one. Um, and yes, recognizing what the fears are, filtering a fear through our warped crystal ball mm-hmm. is one of the worst life plans ever. Right. I, the, the, one of the, you know, definitely a phrase that struck me was just like, fear is a feeling. It's not a state of being, or it's not, it is not reality. Um, and, and, and not, I'm not trying to tie it back to the, the, the show, but it's just like, it's, it's been really cool sort of having to talk about the show and then think about like, oh, maybe, oh, that sort of means this for me and I wasn't aware of it, but the, the state of being of, of fear, um, it's, you can, you can genuinely, you can, you change the world. Like your, your brain is able to redefine the world into something that it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's fascinating to me. You know, it's fascinating to me in, I'm sure in a kind of like, all right, I'm going to embrace this and have some control over it. But it's also sort of like, well, I'm going to look at this in a, uh, compassionate way and also in a kind of clinical way. Right. Like, I mean, I, I take a lot of comfort in knowing that like your brain is an organ and if your, your kidney shuts down and you have to get surgery, People are like, oh, that's a bummer and stuff. But if your brain shuts down and you become crazy, there, there's a lot of fear that people have of that because the, because you become a different person, you know, mm-hmm. and losing touch with yourself, I think, is frightening to everybody. It is. It and is. So, you know, I think that's the thing in the show that like is people can either be like, oh, my God, this is too I don't like this or mm. they're like, Ooh, I like that. Let's, right. Let's that I, I was the latter. Yeah. Uh, when I, when I watched the first one. Yeah. Um, what was the, the thought I had right before it escaped my, Oh, uh, I think one of the things at the heart of living a fear based life <clears throat> is the belief that if we're not hyper vigilant, we're going to miss the signs of danger. Yeah. Um, but the, that is not the case. Yeah. That is not the case. And the other thing is that we take so many things personally because we yeah. think it's about us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that person's drinking because I'm not enough or because they know it pisses me off. Or right, right. They're not even thinking of us. Yeah. Which I, is great and horrible. Right. And that's the thing, you know, that I, reflecting back on my childhood stuff, I don't think I ever... I never interpreted what was happening around me as this is my fault. Mm-hmm. It was, and maybe that's sort of a victimization thing that I kind of grew up with. I was like, I, I always thought like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. Who is this guy? Who's, why did mom marry the first guy who had a problem and he's not around? Um, I, I think my, my interpretation was sort of like, Despite my best efforts, I'm probably going to end up in a crappy situation. Um, but I've never felt, but it is, but regardless of that, I still have had these, you know, I take on a lot of um, guilt feelings in, in uh, 
if I'm if I'm trying to for me it's like if I'm trying to like execute my job if I'm trying to do a good job acting and I'm nervous about <clears throat> excuse me I'm nervous about the 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 job if I make the smallest mistake it becomes sort of a um oh they're going to discover that I don't know what I'm doing and that <clears throat> I I'm just that it's a lie that I'm, I'm a fraud I'm a fraud and you know and I I don't know I mean I, there, that's kind of a universal thing with with a lot of perf- people people but, but just performers you know i it, see it so much in graduate students yeah uh high achieving people who are getting they get the job that they want right. and then every day they're like when am i going to be discovered for not knowing as much as they think i know or right. not being capable of this and the reality is is most people are thinking that same thing about themselves yeah i had to talk to a director one time i was like how do you answer questions all day and be accountable and he was like, I used to sort of take the tact of just like, no matter what I, whether I knew the answer or not, I would say I give an answer. And a lot of times I got me in trouble because I would sort of end up creating these situations that I didn't want to deal with and other people didn't want to deal with. And now I will trust the other person, you know, if they're costume department, they're like, what do you, do you want this or this? And I was like, I really can't decide I trust you. What is your first instinct? And he said that creating that sort of like uh, that trust loop just helped the whole production that everyone felt more invested in it as a result. Yeah. Um, And so he was sort of like, that was really cool for me to discover that if you just sort of like, if you, I mean, it's basically like you're just opening yourself up to everyone else. Saying, I don't know. Yeah. Which yeah. is one of the most vulnerable things you can do. Yeah. And was a fear that drove my life and can still yeah. drive my life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can invite people in to help you and get to see their imaginations. Well, that was their- when, like with the show, I, I, I did want, and I was, I, tried to communicate it to everyone that I hired. Uh, I was like, I want, I really want you to be invested in this invested in like what you know about yourself. That's good because I can't do your job and you clearly can do it great. So mm-hmm. if there's ever a thing where you come to me and you're like, want me to make a decision, I don't be freaked out. If I say, you know, well, what do you think? Cause I think sometimes like as a director with actors, sometimes you, that's the worst. You know, right. if a director is sort of like, well, what do you think? You're like, that's not why I'm asking you. Like, cause that right. in, in that moment, you're so I'm doing this and it's not working. Why help me? You know, right. it's the perspective thing. Yeah. But, um, nuance, fucking nuance. Oh, I got nuance and perspective. That's another big thing that, uh, that has kind of rocked my brain. I was just like, it's, and I've always known this, like, it's very hard to be self-objective. Like you can't, it, it is, it's, what does they say? And, and it, it's like trying to see the back of your head. Yeah. Just there's sometimes that it's good to have other people. There's someone told me about, there's a, there's a book and maybe sort of like a, not a movement, but a school of thought now. And it's like, you can't have self-knowledge. Like this whole thing of, of, you know, in a kind of guru way of like discovering who you are and, and, and true self-knowledge is like, it's unattainable because if you're trying to escape the ego, 
to claim that you have true self-knowledge is to claim that you are the ego, you know, right. so it's like this weird thing. I've lost my ego. How? My ego told me. Yeah. My ego said you lost it. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's like, I love that stuff. I love the thing. We're like, hold on. MC Escher brain loop for myself. <laughs> yes. uh, but, it's, not, but it's not great when you're trying to, when you're struggling with something, you're like, Oh, this is so, so unanswerable. That's great. But then, but then there's that weird click. And it, going back to improv is that thing, a big adage is like, don't think. And I would just see students be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm up in public and I am responding to somebody and they're paying money for this to be funny. And I'm not supposed to think I'm like, yeah, yeah, do that. If you let go, something will flow through you. Yeah. If, if you are a genuine improviser or do you feel that's true with anybody i feel it's true with anybody i mean i i wasn't a sports person um but i've become obsessed with sorry uh, obsessed with um badminton i love badminton Mm -hmm. and 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 just when i started playing and i became aware of those times like like it's coming at me i'm like all right i'm about to hit it and i and i the if i am aware of myself i will not be playing well but if I'm just forgetting what's happening and just doing it, I know you talk a lot like playing hockey, that thing mm-hmm. just, and that, you know, the idea of just flow of those people who are in an unconscious state where they're just doing the thing they're doing, but they're not aware of what they're doing, Every, that they're doing it. Yes. It's, everything falls away. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's, I get that sometimes from, from woodworking yeah. or hockey or a human connection that that to me is the path to anything that is really good mm-hmm. in my life has come from a result of human connection yeah which it, it's like the blood source for growth and peace and mm-hmm. all these other things um but it can be so hard if we don't have a sense of who to go to Right. to connect to because some people are toxic and unsafe right and that i think it just takes time to be able to suss out who um who is helpful to connect to and be vulnerable to and to also be of service to when, right. when they need it well I, I mean so much of it i was going to ask like what do you was there a point where you're like oh i'm i can make human connection now or my human connections are very different like were you, did that just happen or are you yeah, aware that, of patterns that were? That happened, I think probably a couple of months into being sober and I started having a, an awareness of people who were newer than I was mm-hmm. and seeing them struggling and right. suddenly realizing I could be the person that other people were to me a comforting hand to say, yeah, I know what this feels like. Right. Let's go have a cup of coffee and, and just listen yeah. and assure them, Hey man, if you kind of take this path that a lot of us have taken, mm-hmm. which we instinctively do not want to do, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. your life can get better. And yeah. to see the light come on in someone's eyes uh, when they think that maybe there's hope yeah uh that that to me is one of the greatest 
moments of, of human connection. And the other one that's really hard for me to get to, and I fight it tooth and nail, I'm mm. sure it's my ego, is for me to be the person who is laying themselves open and asking for help uh, and yeah. saying, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big control thing. I was just like asking for help. And it's interesting. I, I, I kind of come back to that a lot. I'm like, well, I think I asked for help, but I... Even now, I, I, you know, this is an amends or I don't know, this is like a share or something, but just in this week, I've found myself, and this is what I love, where I can have the, the gap between my, my action or behavior and my reflection on it is much shorter now. Like I'll, you know, it'll, I'll do something. I'm like, oh wait, that was not... That was a little dysfunctional. That was a little right. bad habity, but I've had I've had a lot of like weird resentments of hearing other people getting work or you know, mm-hmm. and I I've felt that kind of like well, why not me, you know, and and it's good for me to be like oh okay that's you got a little fear going on because yeah you know, there's some uncertainties and so you kind of go to this and you go to that, and then to be able to recognize that fear as not reality right. Um, is whew, yeah it's so helpful but it's great i mean and then the other thing for me is like here being able to hear other people extend that i mean this this is kind of going back to what i was saying about as far as like the help thing being able to hear that people are saying supportive things or assuring things mm-hmm. and not you know, not kind of go back to maybe my reaction to my mom of just using like, I'm sorry that happened. And that not being enough, like mm-hmm. what you're saying is not s- fixing this. You know, why aren't you going inside me and scooping out my scooping pain, it out my pain. And I think that as far as, you know, relation relationship stuff, that is probably one of my biggest things that I'm working on is that still a kind of deep down thing of just like, I'm nervous that it's still not going to fix it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's funny. And, you know, it's like just saying that I'm sort of like, yeah, I guess so. I don't want to, I don't want that to be the case. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My own personal experience of, of just learning all this stuff about myself is like, you get to these little plateaus. You're like, cool. That's great. You know, I definitely had a thing where I, plateaued up and I'm like, I'm good. This is great. And I went away for some work for a long time and I came back and a lot of good stuff was happening. Like jamming, doing great. And then I just hit a bottom where I was like, Whoa, I am, I am back in the well again. I gotta get out of, of this. kind of self obsession and everything's negative. Yeah. And yeah. just an emptiness. Like it was like everything that I had kind of, uh, acquired and learned and, and been feeling just evaporated. And do you think that was because of the lack of human connection in your support group? I think it was because I, I stopped doing support group stuff. I, I, I had this kind of thing of, you know, for, I think for a lot of people, you kind of approach it and like, I'm going to kind of audit this. I'm kind of circling yeah. it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see how they. You know, I'm gonna wash my car, and then my car is good for the rest of its life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my rationalization is uh, like it's exercise. Like if it I don't is. if I don't do this, I'm gonna get 
brain fat. <laughs> it does. It atrophies. Yeah, Human or, or for me, because I'm a skinny guy, I'm just yes. become like this withered little frail, you know, bird person. Yeah. Um, and at first I was like, oh, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. But now I'm kind of like, I'm kind of psyched to, you yeah. know, to have this other, this, this thing that is, it, it reminds me like, it reminds me of my grandmother. I, it never made sense to me that she went to church. Uh, and I think a lot of people who do the support group stuff have an issue with God as an authority and stuff. But I was, I was like, what? He's, this is just an idea. And also I had that kind of teenager, like God's a lie, you know, mm-hmm. leaning into that atheism that I didn't quite believe. But now I'm like, oh, that that is one of those facets of like, it made her happy. She had a community. She had something mm-hmm. to go to. She had... um uh, she had a place to kind of like set everything aside and just be there. And now I'm like, Oh, that that's good. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it just kind of occurred to me. It, it, if you think of God or whatever as a higher power, focusing on what it is that is, that is at the end of the road where you will discover what God is, which right. you never can. Yeah, yeah. It's really how much fun you can have on the road to not knowing yeah. if God exists, right. but pretending as if there is something in the universe that is perhaps benevolent mm-hmm. and understands you, whether it's just energy, like yeah. gra- gravity or uh, a conscious entity, just knowing it's not you. Yeah. And knowing that your crystal ball doesn't work. Right. And it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and I think the other thing I talk, surprisingly, I talk with my daughter a lot about, she'll ask like, what, are you an atheist? Or and I was like, I think I'm agnostic. Like I believe that there's, there, there's a collective force that we, that we give off, you know? Mm-hmm. And so whether that's a negative force or a positive force, that has, like, ramifications, you know. It, yes. The herd can really affect the, the earth. And um, and, and it's like, and I like that. I like that, that whether we understand what that force is, if we sort of choose to, to, to make that a positive thing, it has positive effects. And recently she's like, well, I still think God is like a, Probably a guy with a beard, but I like that idea. <laughs> um, but I would be—I'd be curious if my grandmother was still around to ask her if she, she thought it was a guy, or you know, what her definition of being a Presbyterian, being a mm-hmm. Christian was. Um, and it could just be like, oh no, th- here's a set of rules that I follow, and I see the benefits of it. So that's it. Yeah. But my dad that I grew up with, he used to be a pastor. He was like a Southern Baptist pastor that was uh, sort of betrayed by his church because his marriage fell apart. And when he came back to them, he was like, I'm just glad I have the church as a community. And they're like, yeah, we're not comfortable having a pastor who can't keep his marriage together. So wow. and he was deeply disillusioned. And he just, he was like, screw you, screw you, God. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and later on in life, he came back to the church and he told me, he was like, I realized like I was kind of a, like religion was more of a philosophy for me than a, 
than a faith. And when I was trying to tell myself, like, I believed in God, I believed in, you know, the, the words of the Bible and stuff, uh, as his words that I should follow. He's like, I, my way in was to kind of like, Oh, this is a, a life approach mm-hmm. that, that was the way that he kind of freed himself up later in life, which is good. Yes. Yeah. And to not take what people who believe in God say as coming from God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I, I, now I'm sort of like, whatever you believe is good. As it's long a as, personal thing. As long yeah. as you don't use it badly. But, um, I used to have such a thing of just like, I mean, it was that kind of like, oh, you're an idiot because you're, yes. you're quoting the Bible, you know, where, when, you know, now I was like, if I had listened, been able to listen and be like, oh, that's cool. That's a, that's a cool phrase. Yeah. I, I mean, can, the teachings of Jesus are beautiful. They're very popular. Yeah. They're very popular. <laughs> <laughs> they're catching on. They're really catching on. Yeah. I think this Christianity thing might work, mm-hmm. but yeah. It's, yeah, if it's, they can get yeah, if they can get a Twitter account, they're really going to get some followers. That's cool. Yeah, I, it's once somebody's in charge of something good, it's ruined. Yeah, yeah, that's where religion, I think, its yeah. downfall was having a hierarchy. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's why I I can't get I can't get with most. Yeah, yeah, probably also religions. when you get more into like a what. The costumes we're gonna have, and yeah. like, how are we gonna? If everything's gold, doesn't that mean God definitely exists? Right? Yeah, because we love gold, and He must yes. love gold. He makes us love gold, so that's yeah. how it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's been great talking to you. Uh, Thank you so much. Brian. Like this, I, I'm, yeah, this, I was genuinely so excited about this. Like, oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to see you again, and. um it's called Mr. Neighbor's House 2 is mm-hmm. the, the thing that's coming out at the end of June. Yes, yeah, June 24th, uh, Sunday, June 24th at midnight on Adult Swim. I can't do the, the time math, whether midnight is starts on Saturday night yeah. or Sunday night. I think it's literally Sunday yes. night at midnight. So if you have a DVR. Most people tuned out. us out about two minutes into the <laughs> podcast. And right now they're just staring at a wall and they've been lost in thought thinking about themselves for 45 minutes. Yeah, so. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then occasionally they would hear them like, oh, they're struggling to do a bit in the middle of this. They failed. All right. (laughs) Back to myself. (laughs) Back to myself. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. Many, many thanks to Brian and to you guys. What am I thanking you for? You're just listening. No, you guys help the podcast, especially your surveys. And we always need more surveys filled out, especially happy moments and awful some moments. Those are my favorite. Those are like Christmas presents to me. So that's a way to support the show. And if you want to support the show in any type of way, there's a big list under the show notes of every uh, episode, or at least the most recent episode. And because uh, I don't want to list them all here because uh, you're already starting to tire of me. Anyway, uh, if you're out there and you're struggling, just never forget that you are you are not alone. And thanks for listening. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautiful. Everybody I know is bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way. Bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way.